0: One of the things I did not mention earlier was that we've received a lovely note of thanks from our friends Andy and Kathy Staunton, which says to our friends at Wodonga Baptist Church, just a short note to thank you all for your generous support of God's work in Cambodia. We look forward to heading off in January. Prayers for your church as you share Jesus where you are. So uh, we continue to celebrate the fact that Staunton's have achieved their fundraising goal and will be able to shortly head off to Cambodia where God has called them to serve. One of the um, hats that I wear in addition to the pastor hat here at Wodonga is as um, community chaplain with the uh, Victorian Council of Churches Emergency Ministries. It's a network of professional and volunteer people across the state who are mobilised from time to time in um, situations of emergency to go into, quite often into the relief centres to provide Uh, mental health first aid, personal support in times of crisis, that sort of stuff. And crisis can take all sorts of shapes and uh, sizes, fires, floods, uh, road trauma, all sorts of stuff. One of um, our jobs, or our job is usually confined to sitting and listening to people, letting them debrief to unpack their experiences, to unpack what they might have witnessed or to explore what they're feeling and help them process some of that trauma or some of the grief or some of their observations to connect them with uh, appropriate services, whether it be uh, Red Cross or DHS or whoever it might be. And uh, we're glad to be part of that because um, people within the Health Department and the Department of Human Services recognise the spiritual and psychological care which is so important at times like this. So it was no surprise that um, very early on New Year's Day I was asked to um, uh, be mobilised to the relief centre at Talangata and while I was on my way to Talangata I got a phone call to say can you divert through to Corion which was easier said than done for those of you who've come from that end of um, our region. It was um, a fairly confronting drive in, only a few hours after the fire had passed through. Crews were working along the roadsides with some of the trees that were threatening to fall on the road. There was thick smoke everywhere which you would expect you've experienced that here in Madonga as well. There was fire still burning in the uh, hillsides adjacent to the road. There were forlorn looking livestock standing in the paddocks although they were the lucky ones. There were others uh, much more confronting um, through the situation there. Uh, when I got into Koryong, the town had just had water restored. There was no power. The power poles in that whole district pretty well had been burnt out. Uh, telecommunications uh, were down. The Telstra relay was out. The Optus um, services will probably be out for some weeks. And so we uh, literally found ourselves in a situation, as many of you here have found yourself in, having wound the clock back 100 years in some senses and having to live in uh, circumstances very different to what we experience now. Through that morning travelling out, I was listening to the radio and heard it said that the firefighters had managed to save the township of Koryong and I wondered what that actually looked like and soon discovered what that actually looked like because the fire had pretty well encircled the whole town and had burnt right to the doorsteps, literally to the doorsteps of many of the homes in uh, that region, in the town but in the region and a significant number of homes of course have been lost through that district and as we have many friends here with us from that region this morning you undoubtedly will know and perhaps have experienced loss yourself. During that deployment I spent a lot of hours listening to people's stories, of what they'd experienced as well as performing a wide range of tasks. Normally we have a fairly narrow bandwidth of things that we're meant to do but um, the, uh, the head honchos in Melbourne are a long way away and so we just do whatever we need to do. <laughs> and so um, though there was a lot of the, uh, the personal support, mental health first aid stuff going on, there were many other things that happened in addition to that, a little outside our brief. Because in reality we're facing a crisis, an emergency, and we do whatever we have to do. I spent time at the relief centre with people who'd lost property, who'd lost livestock, who'd lost possessions, who'd lost, lost loved ones, although fortunately in the case of loved ones they were only missing and were later reunited. In fact, one of my first conversations was with a couple who were sitting in the community hall. It's actually the high school hall there with a couple of big dogs who, uh, who told me that they'd been told their house was gone. They said, we cried for two hours. And then someone came and said, "Oh no, your house is actually still standing." And you can just imagine the the emotional roller coaster that they and so many others, like them, would have experienced, and the emotional toll that that pendulum causes. Over the next 48 hours or so, we co-opted some locals and door knocked about 60 um, percent of the town, particularly the town on the. Northern Fringe, the areas there where there were a number of people, elderly and infirm and socially isolated who had not been able to leave, checking in with them, making sure they're okay, making sure they had food, making sure they had water, making sure that they knew about the community meetings, the community food that was available, all that sort of stuff. Uh, We unloaded trucks, we organised food, we helped manage some of the evacuations from the town and generally did whatever had to be done. And as I've already alluded to, I was very fortunate and no surprises anticipated bumping into Graham and Ros who are pastoring there in Corriong and was able to uh, liaise with them a little bit on some of the work that they were doing too and support them in that. Graham and Ros and the Baptist Church in Corriong will continue to be deeply involved in the recovery effort for some time And I'll talk a little bit about how we will be able to support that in a few moments time. And I wanted to talk about this this morning because uh, sometimes there's a risk I think in the life of the church when things are going going wrong, going on around us in our world we can continue blithely on with uh, doing our own thing in this kind of spaceship church thing Uh, when in actual fact uh, we need to be very conscious of the kind of questions that people are asking and so um, to some degree (laughs) late last night I just felt God's spirit saying just park what you've prepared and do something different which is um, for someone like me really annoying (laughs) because it was such a good sermon (laughs) but we uh, we live as people who are guided and directed and and listen to the Holy Spirit. And so let me share with you some of the reflections uh, from this last few days and speak with you then too, and I speak uh, later in the service to the Wodonga congregation how we have the opportunity to respond. There are some spiritual questions that are raised at times like this. So the very first afternoon when I was there, there were a lot of people who'd been at the Naryl Creek Folk Festival who had left and come to the relief centre and were waiting for the road to be opened so that they could get out. And so my job was just to go and talk to them and, and uh, many of them wanted to show me the vision that they'd taken and talk about their experience. And it was not an unusual kind of conversation when they figured out that I was actually a Christian chaplain. They had no idea what flavour I was and that didn't matter. But they, uh, they had questions like this I hope you have been praying for rain. And uh, then I know one fellow said to me, well, it doesn't seem like the big fella's been listening to you, does it? And I sat with those kinds of questions. You kind of banter them backwards and forwards in that moment. Uh, but questions like that and questions that look like that in situations like this can tend to sit like coiled snakes, can't they, on a table in front of us. We're not quite sure where they're going to strike how do we respond to them do we even want to touch them they're what um, the experts would call the epistemological questions that's a really long word that you can throw around the dinner table if you like and see how your friends respond epistemology is the study of of belief and and the foundation of belief they're questions that actually drive us to those kind of questions aren't they what is the foundation of belief what and who do we believe in? They're questions that normally look like this, why would God allow a crisis like this? Does God send the droughts? Why does God allow some people to die in the prime of life while others seem to live to old age quite happily? Why do some suffer and others breeze through? Is there a God anyway? Or is the reality that we see all there is? They're questions that actually can be quite challenging for faith, can't they? They're questions that test faith and they are questions that sometimes shipwreck faith. And I stand here this morning uh, with... I was just thinking about this, you know, it was almost 20 years ago to the day that I started in full-time Christian ministry. It's actually one year ago to the day that I started here in Wodonga. And... Um, I stand here before you this morning with, with that little experience behind me and I have to say to you, I don't actually have the answers to those questions. And I don't think there are easy answers to those questions. In fact, I would say, and I've said this to some people, if you can sort of trot out a nice, trite kind of answer, I'm very suspicious because these are questions that drive way deeper than the surface. They're questions that go way beyond human understanding. And in highlighting this disconnect between human thinking and the ways of the Lord, the Lord actually said these words in Isaiah 55 verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, which says to me there are some things that only God can understand and we never understand them. We might be able to nibble around the edges of the questions. We might be able to address them to some degree. But there will always be an element of mystery, of uncertainty uh, or lack of clarity about what's actually sitting behind some of these things. In respect of uh, the drought and the fire that we've experienced in our region, I'm, I'm very aware of passages like 2 Chronicles 7.14 which says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land and it's probably and I use my language very carefully this morning it's probably appropriate to trace some causality for the drought and the subsequent bushfires in our nation to our national religious apostasy but I say that cautiously for two reasons one because that promise from 2 Chronicles was actually not given to us. It was spoken to the people of Israel during Solomon's time. We need to be very careful in co-opting a passage like that as a direct promise to us and very careful uh, in, in identifying an issue as purely a spiritual issue. We need to be cautious for another reason too because I think it's a short step from claiming a promise like this and treating God as some kind of magic fairy who just will sprinkle goodness on us if we do certain things, you know, a bit like a vending machine. If we do this, then God will do that. It doesn't work like that. God is sovereign over everything and will act according to his perfect will and knowledge. He can't be forced to do anything by our action. In fact, his plan may be for us to learn something through the process of crisis or trial or suffering, things that we might never otherwise learn about his love or his character or his purposes unless we face challenging circumstances. And I'm also very conscious of passages of Scripture like Romans 8.22 and more broadly other passages in Romans that speak about the broader impact of sin in our world. We live in a world... That has been impacted by sin the root of suffering is not necessarily linked directly to the sinner and jesus made this really clear in john chapter 9 you remember he healed a fellow who was blind and his disciples asked a very interesting and very normal question for the jews of his day they said to jesus whose sin caused this man to be born blind was it his or his parents and you know what jesus said neither but what has happened will bring glory to god see there are deeper purposes at work than a direct line of causality in many cases and so if you were to ask me is there a spiritual dynamic sitting behind what we're experiencing in the world i would say absolutely undoubtedly but we need to be careful in articulating what it looks like i had hoped to preach in a couple of weeks on the topic of all bad things come from Satan, which will be a great um, topic if we get to that before uh, the year unfolds. As followers of Christ, we need to articulate God's call to the world, to walk in obedience to him and experience the collective shalom of fellowship in Christ, but not as some sort of magic fairy wand to alleviate or solve the symptoms of sin, which is found deep in the human hearts. That's one end of the spectrum, the spectrum or the end which says this is all about a spiritual dynamic. The other end ignores that totally and is also fraught with danger. Uh, It's thinking which says this is all about us. Now let me tread into some dangerous political territory here for a second. It's thinking which is becoming louder and louder in our community. Thinking which suggests that events like the drought we've been experiencing or the fires that we've seen uh, accompanying these conditions are directly and solely related to the human impact on the environment. Now, there may well be some truth in that assertion. But the risk in identifying it solely as a human problem is that we think we can fix it with human resources. We just need to do this, this and this and everything will be all right ignoring the other end of the spectrum we um, we've seen some interesting stuff happen over this past little while and i gotta tell you i feel really sorry for anyone who's in leadership particularly political leadership Uh, they're kind of between a rock and a hard place as is often typical in a crisis there is grief and part of the grief Uh, a typical response to grief actually is anger and we've seen that we saw some of that even in some of the community meetings people who were very agitated understandably so it's uh, it's a normal response in the context of trauma some people express their trauma in anger and it can be sprayed unfairly in the most inappropriate directions let me say Quite happily there are many things that we should, could and need to do to protect the environment that God has given to us. As Christians we should be at the forefront of doing that. We ought to be encouraging our government to take reasonable steps to manage the use of the resources that we have but we can never ever do that without acknowledging the spiritual dynamic that sits behind that as well. We had some interesting discussions through the Baptist Union of Victoria recently, a paper that was put out that was encouraging us to do all sorts of stuff. There was a paragraph buried in there, which I'm not sure whether it was put in by accident or not, uh, where uh, some people who were involved in the climate science debate said, you know what, we've looked at all these solutions, but we've realised that we'll never be able to bring a resolution without dealing with the human heart that sits underneath it. And that's a reality that we need to acknowledge. We need to be vigilant of the danger of the humanist trap which says it's all about us, let's just fix this, we can do it. We've got the technology, we've got the capacity, we're the masters of our own world, our own destiny and with the application of science or planning or management or whatever we can make our world a perfect world. We may be able to plug the leak in the boat over here but the boat will start leaking somewhere else almost inevitably. Such is the impact of sin in our worlds. I was speaking to uh, Faye Nicholas yesterday. Some of you have been praying for Faye and she wanted to communicate to you just how much she's appreciated that while Jeff's been uh, up in, uh, at the farm. And uh, she shared a couple of verses and I said I'd share these this morning because they were very appropriate for uh, this reflection. The first is from Mark chapter 4. It's Mark chapter 4 verse 39 which says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be quiet, be still, and the wind died down and it was completely calm. You know the context of the story. Jesus and the disciples were on one side of the lake, they crossed to the other. Uh, as they were crossing, a storm came up. Uh, there was danger that the boat would be swamped. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. The disciples roused him and said, Master, don't you care that we're about to drown? And he rebuked the wind and the waves. There's two things that are significant in that story. The first is the fact that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. He clearly tells us that it was not the Lord who was the author of the disaster because Jesus would not have rebuked the work of the Father. If God had sent the wind and the waves, if God had sent that catastrophe that was uh, was about to overwhelm that boat... Uh, jesus would not have rebuked it we understand that these things come uh, from another source some believe that that storm uh, may have been the work of satan trying to prevent christ from crossing the lake i'm less inclined to be convinced by that more inclined to think it was actually just something that happened because storms brewed up on the lake they still do jesus happened to be there and rebuke that and it's important to hold fast to this that god is not the author of catastrophe and second and most importantly although jesus must almost inevitably have known what was going to transpire instead of taking his disciples around the road he took them through the storm and there's a lovely application that comes out of that that jesus is with us through those storms through those difficulties and promises to be our companion in those places. The second verse from Psalm 91 is a very interesting one too. I remember a few years ago in the uh, the middle of the night contemplating the possibility of fire coming and threatening the property which is pretty much what happened for many people in our region. Uh, how... Traumatic that is. It's one thing to happen in the daytime; it's another thing for it to happen in the night time. None of us focus or function particularly well in the middle of the night. But Psalm 91, verse 5 to 6 says, "You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that strikes in the night, nor the plague that destroys at midday." And those verses again are not speaking of specific circumstances, but the general principle that we hold fast to that uh, the Lord is the presence that we rest upon and abide in fear not is one of the most repeated catch cries of the scriptures calling us to faith and to trust and dependence on God I want to speak with you uh, in a few moments about what our practical response will look like but do something this morning a little different to what we normally do and earlier in the service invited you to greet the people you're with and introduce yourself by name So that should mean that you're not sitting with strangers. They might be strange, but they shouldn't be strangers. (laughs) Because what we're going to do right now, and I invite you to participate in this, is actually take some time to pray for our community, to pray for our neighbours, to pray for those who've been impacted by the fires and continue to be impacted by the fires, for those who have had to evacuate, many of whom are here with us today for those who have lost property or possessions, for those whose um, future is looking difficult, who don't know what they're going back to, have perhaps not been able to go back. What I'm going to invite you to do is pray with the people that you're with, either as a group of two or a group of three. If you're not comfortable doing that, if you don't know those that you're with or you're not in the habit of praying with others, let's use this time just to sit quietly and pray yourself. Diana did suggest to me last night when we were doing this, we should do it in the Papua New Guinean way where everyone prays out loud at once. It's called boom-baton. It's it's a whole different level of experience, let me tell you. Uh, But I thought maybe that would be a uh, step too far. So what we will do for a few moments though is uh, just take time to pray with those that you are with. If there's silence, that's okay. Speak out your prayer so that you might encourage others and uh, take a few moments to do that in a little while we won't prolong this process in a little while i will pray myself and uh, that'll be the time to call us back together and then i want to share with you uh, what some of the practical things we will be able to do as a church community will look like as we move forward from here in supporting our community so let's take a few moments to pray let the holy spirit lead you in prayer just take a moment to be silent and ask god what are the words you want me to pray and if there are no words let god pray through you let the holy spirit do that work of prayer and as i say if you're not comfortable then just sit quietly and uh, acknowledge god's presence amongst us so let's pray together god our gracious merciful loving forgiving providing father we come before you humbly today acknowledging afresh our complete utter total dependence upon you for everything in our world for our lives for the provisions that you allow us to live with for the homes that we have for the community that we're part of lord you are a good god Lord, we come to you in prayer not as a last resort because we've run out of options, but as our first resort because you, Lord, are the one who is sovereign over all circumstances. You, Lord, are the omniscient one, the all-knowing one, the one who knows all of the needs, all of the challenges, all of the circumstances of our world and around about us we come to you because you lord are the one with infinite resources we come to you because you have revealed yourself to us and we worship you and we praise you and lord it's appropriate that we do so no matter what our our personal circumstances might be because you are an unchanging god You are always worthy of our worship. You are always worthy of our adoration. You are always worthy of our praise. And so we exalt your name today. As we come to you, Lord, we join together our prayers with the prayers of other churches in our community, Christians across our state, our nation indeed, across our world in lifting before you those who have been impacted by the fires across our country over these past few weeks lord we lift before you those who today are wrestling with the loss that they've experienced and the grief that is associated with that lord there are some amongst us who know what it is to grieve deeply at loss and we pray that uh, The lessons that have been learnt there too in turning our hearts to you will be be lessons that others too will be able to take hold of and articulate as Job did even in the midst of his crisis say, yet will I praise the Lord. Lord, we pray for those who uh, today face an uncertain future, who today face an enormous task, who today feel they don't have the energy or the resources or the capacity to face what they have to face. Lord, be their strength, we pray. Lord, we pray that as a Christian community, our friends in Coriong will be able to be the love and light of Christ in that community like never before. As they have opportunities to express your goodness through their service, as they have opportunities to engage in conversations that might not otherwise arise, as people are confronted again by their own humanity and their need of something beyond themselves, we pray that uh, not only the Corryong Church, but other churches, churches across our state and us too, will be able to speak light and love and truth and so bring healing to our nation. Lord, we acknowledge this morning too that um, events like we've seen transpire in our community over these few days will raise for some memories of deep, deep pain from past experience. And we pray, Lord, that you would soothe their hearts and that your spirit would strengthen them in the face of these trials lord we acknowledge too that we are only here at the start of january there is a long period of uh, what we would anticipate hot dry weather ahead we ask that you would protect those who are fighting fires protect the communities around about us protect our nation lord in the midst of it father we do ask that people's hearts would turn away from themselves and ask those harder questions where is god in this what is the meaning of all this how do we make sense of this and that you will position your people whatever capacity they might be in to be able to uh, to be witnesses to who you are and your love and your grace in those places lord this morning we reach out our hands our arms our fellowship to those amongst us who have come from uh, Corion, from Vale, from around the district, from all, all those areas that have been impacted. We thank you for the fellowship that we share in Christ, for that connection that we automatically have, for the love of Jesus that brings a commonality to us. And we pray that um, the relationship that we have had and will continue to have will uh, deepen and be a true reflection of what it means to be united in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just speak to you for five minutes about practical stuff. Um, There is an opportunity for those who are fit, strong, able and uh, have some energy to participate with the Lions Club in helping to rebuild boundary fences. Barry Membry, who's part of our church, is part of the Lions Club and had asked Bruce Hogan to pass this message on this morning and bruce who's standing down or sitting down the back and waving his hand at the moment is known to many of you is the person to contact if you'd like to participate in that way probably wednesday or thursday something like that was what um, bruce was suggesting that work may commence and the priority at the moment is getting some boundary fences back in place as a church Uh, here on christmas day we received an offering some of which was directed to baptist world aid the balance of which the cash portion of which we said at the time we would use for some sort of local uh, relief and help either drought assistance or fire relief Uh, we had no idea at that time uh, just how uh, relevant or how useful that would be for those of you who were here christmas day we received a cash offering of approximately two thousand seven hundred dollars that day which we're going to use as a seed for what we would like to uh, uh, invite you to participate in in a bushfire relief um, uh, fund that we will commence um, next Sunday. We're not going to do it today uh, because uh, obviously you haven't come prepared for that today. But uh, as a church we will be um, bringing together some relief funds and I speak about funds, not goods, and I'll explain why in a moment so that we can uh, direct help in the most appropriate way so over the next couple of Sundays at least and perhaps beyond that we'll have um, the capacity to receive uh, donations either through the offering or electronically so that we are able to support uh, the uh, community around about us i say cash not goods food clothes toys etc are being sourced through other agencies who themselves you might have heard are crying out for cash One of the observations that I made and I've sat a little heavily with me over the last couple of days is um, um, a fellow who I spent quite a bit of time talking to lost everything, absolutely everything, literally stood there in the clothes that he'd milked the cows in the night before, that's all he had and desperately needed some more clothes and to my, I would almost have to say to my shame, we did not afford him the dignity of going down to the shops and buying a new pair of pants. We rummaged through the cast-offs from other people. It would have been so helpful to have been able to have $50 and just go and buy him a pair of pants and, uh, and restore some humanity for him in that respect. And so um, we're going to uh, suggest that we raise cash rather than goods so that we can then partner with our friends at Corriong and around the district and direct... Uh, our resources in the most appropriate way fortuitously um, i have had the opportunity to speak with graham at Coryong at length about this already and will continue to do so um, and what i'm going to suggest is that we actually do partner with the church in Coryong so that um, we can help them in the work that they're doing i think there is some wisdom in us helping the church there leverage some value from what they're doing and i don't mean to suggest that we will use um, that in any way manipulative in terms of advancing the kingdom but it's a great uh, opportunity for the church profile to be raised in the town as they do the work that christ calls them to do and so uh, much of our work at this stage will be done uh, through um, the folks at Corriong and finally before uh, we hand back to uh, alan and then uh, we'll take a few moments for communion to conclude today Uh, We just need to be mindful that um, we're facing a long-term project. This uh, crisis will ultimately abate in a week or two or eight or something, but um, it takes much longer for a community to recover and so we're settling ourselves into the possibility of quite a long-term working relationship with Coriang and the community there. So I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like. It'll have um, practical implications. It will have pastoral implications as well. And so uh, we want to support the church there as we're able to. There's lots of questions that people might have, lots of answers that I don't have at the moment, but uh, we'll communicate with you more about that as time goes by we am going to invite Alan to come and lead us again in worship and acknowledge God's presence with us and then uh, Rob Bond is going to come and briefly lead us in communion this morning.